0: brothers and sisters the lord be with you and with your A reading from the holy gospel according to luke lord. tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to jesus but the pharisees and scribes began to complain saying this man welcomes sinners and eats with them so to them jesus addressed this parable A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country, where he squandered his inheritance on the life of dissipation when he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to the farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here am I, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now, the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf? He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Of all the new trends that have evolved in recent years, the whole phenomenon of taking selfies is really something that, I don't know, it's, it's still kind of hard to figure out. The act of taking a picture of yourself on your smartphone, wherever you find yourself, and then sharing it with the world, primarily on social media is obviously something new, and it's kind of bizarre, and it's kind of weird, even more so when I find myself doing it, so. But did you know that it has turned into something that's actually becoming dangerous? For example, on Friday, there was an article online that said, Dumb tourists risk their lives with selfies with hippo. A <laughs> couple of things. First of all, I love that headline. They don't even try to bother to be like professional or neutral or sober about anything anymore. We're going full throttle with an opinion, attention-grabbing headline saying, Dumb. And secondly, the headline works because, of course, I clicked the headline because I wanted to see it. And even better, it wasn't a story. It wasn't like a written story. It was actually a video of the incident. So there you see the dumb tourists are getting closer and closer, taking pictures with this enormous creature who does look, I don't know, pretty docile. But the captions on the screen keep warning. They're not. You hear tour guides screaming at people to get away from it. I'll be honest. Nothing happened, though. I mean, the hippo looked up. He looked slightly perturbed. People got shouting at each other, and then the video ended. It was very, very anticlimactic. So, of course, now you know what happens next. The Internet's scary, and it finds all kinds of similar stories that they think the Internet wants me to see. So all these suggestions are popping up. Bear mauls man as rescue workers desperately try to help. No, I'm looking for selfies that are dangerous. Okay. (laughs) Woman scares moose. Next. Uh, angry elephant tosses tourist raft. Slightly curious, but now past. pass. Uh, woman mauled by jaguar while taking a selfie. Jackpot. Okay, so now I'm back on track. You got me curious again. I got to see this. Here's a story about a woman who had a, a, jumped a barrier at a zoo. She wanted to get close to taking a selfie with a jaguar, and the jaguar clawed the woman's arm off. She lived to tell about it. And there wasn't a video, sorry. Um, And then she apologized to the zoo while saying that they really should make the barriers bigger to prevent future incidents. Yeah, exactly. Why don't you read the signs of saying keep away and don't climb over the fence? But that's just me. Anyway. But that article then led to another article that started talking about how prevalent has the death or injury by selfie phenomenon become? Prevalent enough that now Wikipedia has a whole page listed of self-related, uh, selfie-related injuries and deaths, which is becoming frighteningly long list, by the way. And of course, I had to see that as well. They have a running list from 2011, which has over 200 different citations and stories just so far. And you have stories where people fall over cliffs, crashed airplanes, burned to death because they got too close to an oven as they're taking these stupid pictures of themselves. So perhaps this is becoming a bit of a problem. (laughs) Some people are are so obsessed with themselves and what they want that they'll do whatever they want, ignoring warnings, putting themselves in harm's way, putting others at risk, all for that all-important selfie. Now, taking selfies might be new, but that mentality that thought process, the the obsessions, the extremes that people can sometimes make in pursuit of attaining whatever self-focused desire, their disregard for anything or anyone around them in that pursuit, that isn't new. And that's very dangerous as well. And that's something that came to mind with tonight's gospel. Even though it's called the, the prodigal son, when you really think about it, that's really only one part, and that's only one character of one of the most beautiful stories in the Gospels. All the other elements and characters could really easily be at the focus of the story, and you can really get lost in thought and meditation on all of them. For example, there's never a time that I'm not moved when I think about that part of the story where the prodigal son finally wakes up and he's making that return trip home, and we hear, while well, he's still a long way off, The father caught sight of him and is filled with compassion and he ran to his son. And the realization that that's how God the father is. That no, he's not inside the house stewing and angry and just waiting for the son to come begging on his hands and knees, desperate for a second chance. No, God is actively waiting and looking and will run to meet us whenever we start to turn back to him that can get me choked up. And honestly, that should be our, our sole focus each and every time we were preparing to go to confession. When we go to confession, we're remembering all the, the crappy things that we've done and we're filled with shame and sadness over. God the Father is looking and waiting for us and is so overjoyed that he runs out to meet us. And as much as I love that scene and that part of the story, what really hit me though, rereading this passage this time though is how awful both of the brothers in this story are, that both of them are suffering from selfie-related injuries, where they're solely focused on themselves and their wants and their desires at the expense of any and everyone. The brother number one wants to be where their actions at, giving in to all the temptations and the obsessions of the world, and he's willing to trade all that he has in his life. A loving family, a loving home, a father who's given him everything and still loves him enough to freely let him go to pursue these empty hopes and empty promises. In fact, what the ingrate is actually saying and asking for his inheritance is that he can't wait for his father to be dead to get his money and so he can go off on his own and do his own thing. So he asked the old man, "Can he cash out now?" Selfie derangement syndrome, indeed. And when we hear though this this lavish reconciliation and restoration that he receives, brother n- number two is almost, almost often thought of as an afterthought. You hear that he's kind of miffed. <laughs> he doesn't even call the guy his brother anymore. Look at what he says to his dad: "It's your son." But in all of that, though, you get even bigger glimpse of what was going on in his heart. He's obviously been thinking that with brother one out of the way, now for sure he's the favorite son. He should be getting treated better. He should be getting the bigger party. He should get the goat and the calf. He should get the bigger recognition. But think about it. Brother number two, the one who remained with the father, who, as he said, has served and never disobeyed his father. You know what he missed as he was focusing on what he was doing and what he was getting, or as it turns out, what he wasn't getting? He never recognized, and he didn't care, and he didn't even notice that his father was brokenhearted, that the other son was gone. Selfie derangement syndrome again. The beautiful thing about this gospel that Jesus offers and which we reflect on at this point where we're just past the halfway point of Lent is that the parable invites us to dig in and reflect on where we see ourselves in the story. Whether we're someone who feels a bit distant, that maybe we've made some choices, maybe we made some decisions, maybe we felt far away and we're just slowly making our way in the door here. And you feel like you can more relate to the younger son. Or if we have been here each and every Sunday, maybe even a few times during the week. Maybe we're involved and engaged. Maybe we're on leadership or in a Bible study or connected somehow to Newman. Maybe you're even a priest. What this gospel tells us is that we're all in constant need of conversion. Our hearts are in constant need of change. That none of us gets it perfectly. That's why someone like St. Francis of Assisi, a saint who countless of millions of people are inspired by, could say something like, we may know with certainty that nothing belongs to us except our vices and our sins. He wasn't being self-deprecating. He was being sincere and self-aware because Francis knew that he needed constant conversion and constant change. He knew that Jesus could bring that about in his heart the more and more honest he was with himself. And the same is true for all of us as well. In our day and age, the the number of selfie-related injuries and deaths on a spiritual level is almost at a a crisis level. We can easily succumb to temptations that appeal to our our self-centered and selfish impulses that want to lure us away from the Father's house. And we can just as easily notice others who've done such and become oblivious of the sadness in the Father's house for those who are lost as we become lost ourselves as we're judgmental and condemning others. <clears throat> Jesus reveals the Father's greatest hope and wish that he wants all of us, each and every one of us. Jesus shows us the face of the Father who looks and waits for the younger son to come back, the father who begs with the hardened, cold-hearted brother to come back and to rejoice with him. May we bring joy to him simply by, by recognizing that he does wait for us, that he longs for us to come home, to be with him always, to enjoy all that the father has given us and come to the fullness of life that he offers us.